Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. Pastor Rannon has been talking about a series called A Way Out. A Way Out. He's been talking about temptations. He's been talking about the struggles that you're facing. And he has explained through 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 some principles that we will review here. And then we're going to go into another part of the Way Out series that I'm going to call And Stay Out. And stay out. Slam the door. And stay out. Don't ever come back here. But here's our, here's our main verse that Pastor Randon has been reading. It says that the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. So that you can be victorious over it. over it, So that you will not be under its power, but you will have the power over it. That is what the word endure means. There is a way out so that you can be victorious. And today I want to talk to you about and how to stay out of that temptation. But quickly reviewing what Pastor Rannon has been saying, the first time he brought this to light, he said that everyone is tempted. Don't think of it as a strange thing. Everyone is tempted. Even Jesus himself was tempted, but the Bible says he did not sin, however. And temptation is normal. It's going to happen. It's not an abnormal thing. Just like you watch vegetables boiling up in a soup, they'll pop up a tomato, they'll pop up a potato, they'll pop up some celery. Just just, just like they surface unexpectedly, your temptations and thoughts will pop up unexpectedly. Without your knowledge, they will just pop up. A bad word, a bad joke, a thought, an image will just pop up. And you think, oh, that's terrible. I can't think on that. And that brings us to the next point that we should not dwell on the temptation because dwelling on the is the first step into sin. Thinking on the temptation, considering it, is a very dangerous thing. And last week, Pastor Rannon explained to us the five-fold process of what happens from transitioning from a, an, an innocent temptation to a deadly sin. He says it first starts out as a thought. Then it goes into imagination. That looks good. Then it goes into justification. I deserve this. Then it goes into that valid point of choice. Whether I should do it or shouldn't do it. But the fact that you've made it all the way through these steps, the choice is usually to take the next step into sin. So you think, you imagine, you justify, then you choose, and it usually ends up in sin. If we can stop it at the thought process and say, I know, God, you've made a way out. I don't have to tolerate this. I don't have to live like this. Then, God, I'm ready to find and walk that way out. So that is our point in review. Now I want to take us to our main text, which is Galatians chapter 5. And we'll jump into a few of these scriptures in just a moment, beginning with verse 16. But in the past couple of weeks, Pastor Randon has been very transparent with us. He has issues. And we all know it has to do with Krispy Kreme donuts. He's obviously a very weak man. <coughs> Needs a lot of prayer. 
I, I think he's totally corrupted and misguided because we all know Dunkin' Donuts are much better than Krispy Kreme. <laughs> there is nothing like going to the Beaumont campus and knowing that Lucas Drive exit is just ahead and on the corner is the one of the best Dunkin' Donuts I, I know of in the world. And I feel so compelled to pull in to get my cream, chocolate cream filled powder piece of heaven because it calms my aching nerves. I enjoy getting that kind of stuff. I know it's not good for me. Pastor Randon realizes it. I don't understand his fascination with a hot sign, but I have a fascination with a cream filled uh, chocolate donut. I love it. As a matter of fact, I love it so much, I ask uh, Pastor Angel all the time when we go by, hey, you want to stop and get a donut? She says, I'm just not that hungry. I said, what difference does that make? (laughs) And my motto in life is this, you can't buy happiness, but you can buy donuts. So it's kind of the same thing. So, and really and truly, I don't know if you should be sad or proud that your pastor has a donut issue. I don't know if that's good or bad. I mean, if that's as to the extent that it gets, then I guess we're pretty good because it could be a lot worse. But we are so glad that we have a forgiving Savior that finds us in our weakness and says, I'll hold nothing against you because my blood washes all of that away. I don't have to live with that guilt and that regret all the rest of my life. Now that Pastor Rannon has brought this series to light, he's taught us to recognize temptation and to know that God has made a way out. Today, I want to discuss with you how to stay out of that temptation and how to win over it instead of it winning over you. Galatians chapter 5, begin verses 16 and 17. This is Paul writing. He says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us the desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Let's pray together. Father... As we begin to break apart your bread of life, I pray that you give me the supernatural knowledge and wisdom and the ability to transfer this message from your heart to the people's hearts. I pray, Jesus, that it is brought with clarity and that their hearts and minds will understand it completely. And I pray, Lord, that as we as we go into this word, that they will not only hear it, but they will do it. I pray, Lord, that they will not only be challenged, but they will apply what they learn to their head and their heart knowledge today. I thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity you've given to present this piece of good news to them. Bless me and bless them as we go into this word. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Paul says there's two forces that are at war with one another. He is describing a war that is unseen. We don't see what's going on in the spirit realm, if you want to call it that. It's the battle of good and evil. It's the battle of light and dark and flesh and spirit, natural and supernatural. It's the human side of me fighting to do what's wrong. And it's the spirit side of me fighting to do what's right. It's a constant battle that is going on. 
And Paul, this great and wise man of God who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, understood the power of these forces that were clashing in our lives as well as his. Paul faced the same temptations and the same fighting of the, the natural and the supernatural. He understood it. He writes in Romans chapter 7, he, what, when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. And this power imprisons me. So even this great man of God struggled. And yet he was able to still tap into God's heart and God never stopped loving him. And God continued to use him even though he struggled. He even acknowledges that every moment of every day, our flesh and spirit are duking it out to see which one would win. He writes about this in 1 Corinthians 9.27 where he admits that he has to control his physical body so that it doesn't give in to his temptations. In today's vernacular, Paul would phrase it this way. Every morning, I've got to punch my flesh in the face so that it can't win. It's a constant battle. Things are happening in the unknown realm that are fighting to take you over and to take you down. When I read Paul's writings of being pulled back and forth in this struggle, I'm reminded of a scene from Godfather 3. Michael Corleone is struggling with old urges, trying to pop back up again. He kind of sounds like a modern-day Paul. So I wanted you to hear it from Michael Corleone's own lips. Can you roll the Godfather footage? Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Godfather could be prophetic. He says two very important lines there. Did you catch them? Did you catch them? He says, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. You ever felt that way where you're thinking, okay, I got this beat. I got this beat. And then the next thing you know, you're just bombarded and you don't even know where it's coming from. And the next thing you know, it's pulling you back in. It's a struggle. It's a pulling back and forth. But then he goes even a step further in one of his lines where he says, our enemy has not yet shown his face. You don't know from where it comes and when it's coming, but you know that it's headed your way. And you've got to be prepared. You've got to know that there's a way out, but I know that I can overcome it and I can stay out. There's a, there's a difference here. Two forces at war, flesh and spirit, light and dark, natural and supernatural, they are constantly pulling at you. Both are strong, but one of them will always be stronger. Always. One's going to pull down the other. 
And you determine which one is going to be stronger. How do you determine which one is going to be stronger? The answer is, it's the one you feed the most. It's the one you spend all your attention on. It's the one you give most of your time with. It's the one that you dwell on or even act on. So if you constantly think of a coworker or a bottle of booze or drugs or lustful thoughts or impurity, guess which side of you is going to be stronger? The human side, the natural side, because that's what you're dwelling on more and more. But if you begin to say, I don't have to live this way anymore, so I'm going to begin to worship. I'm going to get my Bible out and I'm going to read because I feel a struggle going on in my soul right now. I'm going to get with my life team. I'm going to have them pray for me. I'm not going to miss this week because this is the very week that I've been in my worst and I cannot go through this anymore. I need to have my support team wrapped around me and lifting me up in prayer. I'm going to go to that prayer group and I'm going to just pray through and I'm going to have them pray over me so that I don't have to tolerate this in my life anymore. What you give attention to is going to be stronger. Just the facts. So what do you do when strong temptations come to your heart's door? It's like an unwanted stranger pounding to let it in. At that moment, you've got to decide whether to open the door or keep it locked. But most of the time, we think that we're strong enough to handle it. So we will crack open the door, peek outside, and ask, What do you want? Knowing what it wants... It wants to take us further than we ever wanted to go. And it wants to keep us longer than we ever wanted to stay. And it's going to cost me more than I ever desired to pay. We know what it wants, but we think we can handle it and that we're strong enough. But the temptation is stronger, so it forces the door open and now it's inside with you. You run to avoid it and you find a corner to huddle in, covering your head like a scared child, but it just won't go away. And you hear the slow, plodding footsteps creeping closer and you cry out for help because you can't be pulled back into that dark place again. You are desperate for help. But now it's in the room with you. And you feel it hovering over you, breathing on you with its moist breath. So what do you do when you're at that point? You're trying your best. You know there's a way out, but it is stronger than you. What do you do when you don't think you can pass this test? Jesus tells us what to do in Matthew chapter 12, verse 29. Jesus knew you were going to face an intruder in your life. He knew something stronger was going to invade your life. And Jesus says, I'm going to help them out 2,000 years from now. And I'm going to give them the scripture that's going to pull them through. He says in this scripture, who is powerful enough to stop a strong man who's entered your house to take your stuff? And he answers that question by saying, someone stronger. Someone stronger. So there's a strong invader in your house, but it's going to be someone stronger that's going to bind the intruder instead of the intruder binding you. Something stronger within you has to rise up 
and say, I'm going to get on top of this instead of it getting on top of me. Jesus knows how strong this struggle is. He faced it himself when when Satan tempted him in the wilderness after 40 days of fasting and prayer. But Jesus didn't give in. Because Jesus recognized who the enemy was and what he was up against and that it was spiritual and he knew that he had to handle this spiritual problem with spiritual weapons. You see, the problem that we have today is we try to deal with supernatural issues with natural methods. Listen to me. We try to medicate spiritual conditions and attempt to control it just so we can cope with it, but it keeps coming back. We have to identify it to be spiritual. A spiritual condition must be handled spiritually, but it is nothing to be played with. You don't wink at temptations because God doesn't wink at temptations. They are dangerous. They are serious, special intruders. They come from a spirit realm that you have no knowledge of. That you don't know how mean and cruel that enemy is. And it is there to invade your life and it means harm to you and those around you. So I want to give you four good points of what you do before you engage in the war of temptations. Four points. First of all, identify the temptation. You need to know what you're up against. You need to name it. The Bible lists in the latter half of Galatians chapter 5, Paul lists a whole list of sinful nature, temptations that are going to come. And more than likely, if you're going to be tempted, these are some of the top temptations you're going to face. And he calls them out like this. They are sexual immorality. Listen to me. Sexual immorality means that you are having sex outside of marriage or you are having an affair while you're still married. Sexual immorality. It goes on that impure thoughts, lustful pleasures, idolatry, witchcraft, hostility, quarreling and bickering, that's temptations. They're spiritual. Jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, where you want to step on everybody else just to get ahead. Division, envy, drunkenness. If you can identify these things, then you will know I can call that out and name it by name. And now I know who my enemy is and I know how to pray against it. But you've got to identify your enemy. It goes on in Galatians chapter 5 after he lists these horrible sins. He says, if you do any one of them, heaven cannot be your home. You will have people that will look and look you straight in the eye and tell you that it's okay to sin, to do any of these corrupt things. And they will say, because God's grace has covered me and he's going to forgive me for all of the future sins. I'm telling you, Hebrews chapter 10 makes it plain. God does a wink at sin and he does not have to forgive willingful sin. So if that temptation begins to take you over, get ready because it is trying to take you down and get you out. It's trying to destroy you and it's one bad choice away. Number two, Determine to defeat the temptation before it beats you. Determine in your heart. We sang a song today about, I'm determined. If you won't come, we won't leave. Because we're determined. We're desperate. 
God, I've got to break through this. I've got to get over this. That's a bad habit. I can't keep going back and forth to that. I have got to, I've got to determine in my spirit that I am done with this. I do not have to live like this. There's nothing more dangerous to the enemy than someone who has made up their mind and determined that they are tired of being abused and misused. You need to get to that point where you say, I'm tired of slipping and falling in the same trap every day. And you say, I'm determined to get out of this because I know God's made a way out. Number three, you need to use your spiritual weapons. When you know that temptation is knocking at your door and it keeps invading your life, you need to start using your spiritual weapons because it's a spiritual battle. And the only way you're going to win this is to have spiritual weapons. One spiritual weapon you can use is the blood of Jesus. Apply the blood of Jesus over your mind and your body because the enemy can't cross the bloodline. You need to use the word of God and begin to recite scripture such as Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Psalms 91, 3. God protects me from the hidden traps and shields me from the deadly hazards. Psalms 119, verses 110. The wicked do their best to throw me off track, but I don't swerve an inch from your course. Isaiah 59, 19. When the enemy storms in like a flood, God empowers me to drive him away. First John 4, 4. Greater is he that is within me than anything that comes against me. If you begin to recite these scriptures, it has no room. Those are locks on your door saying you can't come in because of this, because of this, and because of this. I have barred the door. You're not intruding my life and house anymore. So we keep talking about this greater thing in you. What did Jesus mean when he said someone stronger could bind the strong man? That brings us to our fourth and probably most mighty weapon. And that is the Holy Ghost. Oh, you're fighting a spiritual battle. You've got to have a Holy Spirit fighting for you. Don't try to fight that devil alone. I'm telling you, he is mean and he's crude. He'll take you down and knock you out. We, we know what happened to the seven sons of Seba in the book of Acts. There were seven of them that went up to this demon-possessed guy and they said, well, we've seen everybody else do it, so let's try it. And they tried to cast out that devil out of that one man and that one demon-filled man slapped them naked and they ran home because they didn't have the power of the Holy Ghost. When you're dealing with a spiritual enemy and intruder, you must come against it with the power of the Holy Spirit. You must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is telling us that the stronger man that can bind the strong man is one who is full of the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a Holy Ghost filled person. This gift of the Holy Spirit and this power that comes all over you, it's like no earthly power. It is heaven's power source. It is just God saying get out of the way and let me work through you. You can do this if you just tap in to my power source. Your human nature, your human methods are going to fail if you go up against this spiritual attack. But I'm here to tell you, I'm not going to leave you without a weapon. I'm giving you the power of the Holy Spirit in your life because he will raise up a standard against the fiery darts of the enemy. He's given us the power of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the weapon of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in addition to your salvation. 
You may have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior and you were on your way to heaven. You are clean. Your mind is clean. Your body is clean. Your actions are clean because of the saving grace of Jesus. And that is awesome. But we encourage you because of what you're about to face. We encourage you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit because it's going to take you to a whole nother level. It is a whole other place of power and overcoming, becoming a conqueror. The Holy Spirit changes everything. It changes chumps into champs, and it takes you from imprisonment to empowerment. The Holy Spirit changes everything. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you are going to be a changed person. You're not going to be recognized because there's such a confidence and such a power and such a boldness coming out of your spirit. Spirit, you'll walk in the hospital rooms and the sick are going to have to take notice that a healer just walked in. You can go into troubled neighborhoods and they can feel the power of God going before you because they know that something holy and something spiritual from heaven has just walked into their presence. The Holy Spirit changes everything. He changes people. I know this for a fact because I read in 1 Samuel chapter 10 where Saul was baptized with the Spirit coming upon him. And the verse 6 says that he was changed into another man. When the Spirit came upon him, he was changed into a new man. He was empowered. He was a conqueror. Things that once beat him no longer beat him anymore. He was changed into a new man. I read about Peter in the New Testament that Peter was powerless because he denied Jesus three times the same night Jesus was taken prisoner before he went to the cross. But 40 days later, 40 days later, Peter with another 119 ordinary people were sitting in an upper room waiting for an unknown promise that Jesus said would come and change their lives. And when the Holy Spirit rushed into their souls, they were transformed from ordinary to extraordinary in just a snap. It was the Holy Spirit that made all the difference. And the once cowardly Peter who denied Christ and did not want to be associated because of the danger it would follow him. He now walked out of that upper room stronger, changed and empowered. A bold man of God who unashamedly pronounced Jesus as the Savior of the world. And 3,000 people were born again that day. 40 days before, Peter was a different man. But in an upper room, he got a attached to a Holy Spirit that transformed him and changed his world. I know he will take he will take me and you from inferiority to superiority. I remember as a teenager I was raised in a Pentecostal church but my goodness the devil had such an oppression on me. He was just, I was so paranoid and I had an inferiority complex growing up. And, and I was afraid to even raise my little finger to give God glory. I was afraid somebody was going to judge me. But I can take you to the very room in the very rent house that my wife and I 25 years ago knelt and prayed in. And it was on that evening when we both got the Holy Spirit into us. 
And from that moment on, the inferiority complex left. I went from inferiority to superiority with just one encounter with God. That was 25 years ago. And instead of me being on the defense all the time, I now am on the offense. The devil runs for me when I wake up in the morning because he acknowledges the power of the Holy Spirit and God that rules and reigns in my life. I no longer have to fear. I no longer have to dread. I no longer have to look over my shoulder because I know how great he is within me. And I am moving in the way that he wants me to move. The Holy Ghost was, makes me a force to be reckoned with. The Holy Spirit makes you a force to be reckoned with. And the hold that the devil had on you, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, he won't have it no more. He had a hold on me, but my goodness, once the Holy Spirit came, that left. And what a freedom. You talk about true freedom. That's power. That's power to be able to say, oh no, I'm not afraid of that anymore. I can't wait to get to church because I'm going to worship God with all my might. I'm telling you, this is what it's all about. I know what it's like for being, from being intimidated. I know what it's like to be terrorized. I know what it's like to have the fear. I know exactly what you're facing. But I also can tell you with boldness and assurance, I know what the Holy Ghost did to change me. And He'll do the same thing for you. You must allow the Holy Spirit to fill you up because it is the weapon God is choosing for you to battle what you're up against. I'm telling you, and, and I'm going to tell you this. You can apply the blood of Jesus. You can read your word and recite the scriptures. And you can, uh, you can uh, talk about all of this is taking care of the cross. The victory is mine. But there is a whole nother experience when you say those things from a spirit-filled experience. Now, the spirit that we're talking about is not spooky and weird. It's none of this crazy stuff. You don't need to be afraid of it. If anything, God says you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit for what you're going through. You need it. And God says, I encourage you to receive it today. He says, it's a gift. Don't turn the gift down. It's a gift and it's free. Jesus said, I'm going away so that I can send the Spirit because it's to your benefit that He comes and guides you. He's going to pick up where I left off. He is God's presence in this everyday life that we walk. It's nothing spooky. As a matter of fact, the Holy Spirit is like a gentleman. He's not going to bombard your life and come in and force a takeover without you first inviting Him in. He's a gentleman. He says, if you're not ready for me, that's fine. I just want you to know I'm here. But what you're going through, you're going to need me. Because it's a struggle and it's stronger than you and it keeps binding you. Are you tired of this? Are you ready to start binding it? You can bind it when you apply the blood of Jesus. You speak the word of God and you, you use the, the victory at the cross and you begin to use the spiritual weapon called the Holy Spirit in your behalf. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you are now weaponized. Mm. Okay, you sense something, don't you? You're weaponized. It's almost like I was defenseless, but I feel like I've got some kind of armor on now. I feel like that whatever is on me and around me, <clears throat> nothing can penetrate it. I feel invincible right now. I don't know where this power is coming from, 
But that temptation that whooped up on me yesterday, I feel like I can whip it today. I feel weaponized. It's the Holy Spirit. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you become armed and dangerous. Not to each other, but to hell and all of its attacks. There are plans to attack you right now. There's plans to find your weak spot. They're pushing buttons all the time. And when he finds the button, he's going to keep just pushing it and forcing his way in and intruding into your life, knocking you down, stopping you in your race, weighting you down with guilt and pressure and regret. But you know what? The Holy Spirit will help you identify where that button is, and He will say, let's cut that button right now. Let's just cut it. No connection with that temptation ever again. Because not only has God made a way out, but He's helping you through the Holy Spirit to stay out. Slam that door. Lock those locks. Realize I'm weaponized. I'm loaded. I'm packing, baby. I'm packing. So when you wake up in the morning and those thoughts begin to drum over in your head, you could say, "Uh -uh." in Jesus' name, you're out of here. Because I'm weaponized. I'm armed and dangerous. I'm spirit-filled and I can't control it anymore. This is bigger than me and I'm stronger than you. And you're going down today. I'm not going to fall for this anymore. That's what it's like. You don't have to lay down and take it anymore. You don't have to be sin's doormat anymore. Because Jesus made a way out for you when He died at the cross. And He gave you the power to stay out when He rose from the dead. He made a way for the Holy Spirit to come. And over 2,000 years ago in an old-fashioned upper room, 120 ordinary people were seeking after something they really didn't understand. They had just met, said, Jesus said it was coming, and I don't want to miss out on whatever he's offering. So they prayed for 10 days. In those 10 days, I like to believe that they were wronging all of the rights, praying over all of the weak spots in their life, praying for one another because they were at odds most of the time. If you don't know the disciples, they were constantly bickering back and forth. But I believe in those 10 days that they were actually beginning to let the Spirit work on the weak areas, showing them God's got a way out, a better way, and it's called the Holy Spirit, and it's about to come upon you. And on the 10th day, it says when their minds were united, when they were determined, when they were right with God, He filled them with the power of the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak in tongues. That is just an outward evidence for you that you're filled. It's not something that you need to glorify. <clears throat> tongues are not something that you need to think uh, that, that you're just making a bunch of noise. That is just an outward evidence that there's been a greater change on the inside. We don't seek the tongues. We seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because the tongues are going to come and go. But the Spirit will empower you all the time. He'll take you from being the intimidated to being the intimidator. He'll take you from being the imprisoned to the empowered. That's 
the level that you're about to go to when you say, I've made it right with Jesus and I'm saved. But Lord, I know there's more and I'm ready to receive more. And I know it's the Holy Spirit, so come. Fill me up. I'm ready for this. If you'll stand with me all over the room. God is stirring. I believe, I, I, I can sense here that there are so many that have been stirred. It's like your eyes have been opened for the first time. You didn't realize not only was there a way out, but there's a way you can stay out. And that's through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Jesus is encouraging every one of us to receive all the power that heaven has. He doesn't want us to be shortchanged. He wants you to know Him as your Savior. And He also also wants you to know Him as your empowered spirit. That you're not walking alone and you're not walking unarmed. You are walking with power from heaven's source. Jesus encourages all of you who say, I'm tired of struggling. I'm tired of falling into the same pit every day. I'm tired of thinking I got it whipped, but it pulls me back in. Lord, I now know who the face of my enemy is. It's temptation. It's sent from hell's gates. I know the devil doesn't like me. And he's really upset because I'm giving my life to Christ. But Lord, I'm all right with making him mad. He's made me mad and upset and grief all my life. Today, I'm going to get the better of him. And I'm going to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If you're here today, and you, you just feel a tug at your heart, but it's a good tug. It's a tug that says, I want that way out. I need that way out. And I'm ready to have the power to stay out. If you want a way out of your temptation and your sins and your lifestyle and make a brand new start of it, Jesus is here to hear your prayer and to save you right where you are. If that is you, just raise your hand all over the room. Balcony. God is here. He loves you more than you could ever think and imagine. Thank you for raising your hands and being bold enough. I want you to repeat this prayer after me if you raise your hands and all of us all over. Let's just recite this prayer of salvation. Dear Jesus, I've messed up and I'm tired of messing up. I'm ready to live right. And I know Jesus is my way out. So I'm accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior and I accept His forgiveness for all my sins. I'm now saved on my way to heaven and I love you Lord amen and amen can you give God a hand clap of praise hallelujah new names written down in glory it's yours if you said that prayer for the first time maybe you recommitted your life to him there's new names written down in glory now I want to tell you real quick there's a better life Even after salvation, there's a better life. And it's called the Spirit-filled life. Making Jesus Lord of your life is one of the greatest things you'll do. But accepting the Holy Spirit is one of the other great things you'll do. Jesus encouraged us to all be filled with the Spirit. There was no 
side, small print or anything. He says, be ye filled with the Spirit. No ands, ifs, or buts there. I want to teach you this really quickly. When you're filled with the Spirit, you now have artillery that you did not know about. And there are some spiritual weapons that we've discussed, but there are also some spiritual verbiage that you need to use when you are declaring and praying through and getting over temptation and sin and overpowering it. There are things you need to use. There is a lesson that Jesus teaches us in Matthew chapter 16 verse 19 where he says whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. There are some legal terms sent from heaven's courtroom called the binding and the loosing. These are spiritual heavenly terms that serves notice that the undesirable nature that keeps attacking you no longer has power over you. When you bind something in the Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you bind that in the Holy Spirit, you are serving notice that it is unwanted, it is unnecessary, and it is powerless against what you now know. You basically, when you bind in the spirit realm, you are putting the enemy under arrest. You are handcuffing the enemy, and you are ending his devastating life terrorism all around you and in you. Then there's the loosing. You bind them, and then you have to loose them. If you're a spirit-filled believer, when you loose whatever the sin or temptation is, and you use the word, I loose you, you are declaring that a spirit-filled power now releases any stronghold, temptation, habits, or addictions from your life. I loose you from ever being attached to me again. In heaven's terms, it is an eviction notice to something that had taken up residence. Now you are legally binding it from heaven's courtroom to say you are now evicted by the power of Jesus' name. And it's signed, sealed, and delivered by the seal of Jesus' own blood. You now bind them and say, I've caught you. I recognize you. I'm now serving you notice that you're done. And I'm loosing you. I'm releasing you. So when you speak these spiritual declarations and you speak as a spirit-filled person, all of hell's thoughts and all of hell's demons and minions take notice and realize that their power has been stripped away because of what Jesus did on the cross rising from the grave and sending the power of the Holy Spirit into common ordinary people. Their power has been stripped away. You don't have to believe the lie that you will die in this sin or this temptation. You have the power to bind sins, activities, and plans. You lose any effect that is present that, the, that their presence had on you, and you release God's Holy Spirit power to rule and reign over every situation in your life. So temptation, sin, and addiction has no other choice but to walk away from you and leave you alone because of the power of the Holy Spirit.
I can't encourage you enough to seek for the baptism of the Holy Spirit because I know what a change came into me, taking me from inferiority into God's superiority. I know what imprisonment is, but I also know what empowerment is. And once you get a taste of God's sweet spirit, there is no going back. And I encourage you. Jesus encourages you. God's word encourages you. Seek after the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We do that by just saying, God, I'm giving all my life up for you. Empty my life so that you can fill it up with all things spiritual and mighty and powerful. That's what you do. And the next thing you know, you may be thanking him in English language or Spanish or whatever nationality you are. And the next thing you know, you're, you're praising him in an unknown heavenly language. It just takes over. It's not spooky. It's not weird. It's a, it's a communication that only you and God, it's a secret message between you and God. And he says, I want this, this relationship with you more than ever. And you need it more than ever. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you have, you have said, God, I'm ready for more of what you have and I'm not leaving here until you change me today, I want you to start making your way to this altar down here. Say, God, I know what struggles I'm facing and I need to be powered up. I need to be so spiritually minded. I need to think on better things. If you're struggling and you're fighting and you are tired of this battle pulling back and forth, I want you to come forward. We're going to pray together.